Hello, welcome back to another Azure-centric podcast. My name is Marcos Nogueira, and with me I have Andrew Lowe's on the, our Azure Weekly Update show. So it feels like a short week, but it isn't, because we did record this, the other one we recorded this late, and now we're recording this sooner. <laughs> <laughs> so for us... It's true. For us feels like a short week because this means that the week is 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 ending and we back we our schedule which is good um we don't have the massive updates that we have last week i have to say so good news for you uh <laughs> that one did go a little longer that, yes, than, and, than and what we intended although okay. although i received a, na a very nice email i will not say to, to what is the name of the person, as you can imagine, right? But I received a very nice email that they they felt the passion of the Microsoft 365 uh, Cloud PC. Um, oh, wonderful! And, That's really good. Yeah, we were very excited and they, about and, that release. And the guy just have um, the guy or the girl, right? The person just have the anonymous, anonymous person, person who we absolutely love. Uh, yeah, uh, ooh, that I already most. Um, yeah, uh, he said that he felt the passion. He liked the way that we put it, because that information it's 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 not available. Although we went to see, uh, he went to see the the video of in this case of Satya, and he discovered that uh, the presentation of 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 Windows Cloud PC was in Canada, in Nunavut. Uh, and I say, oh, they did it on site with uh, with none of it. No, on, on the video that that was on 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 Inspire, uh, when they were um, in this case announcing the product, right? Satya mm -hmm. come with uh, usually they come with a customer, right? With a, a customer that they they did that, um, and uh, what it is is he was the customer of the government, I think, of Nunavut. Yes. Um, not the government. Yes, the 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 the, the territory government of Nunavut. Um, or was the city? I don't remember. No, I think it's it was it was the government. I think it was the I think it was the whole the whole territory. The whole territory. Like their, so their IT. And yeah. it's 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 first. It's awesome to see Canada, uh, uh, worldwide, right? Um, and the other thing is, it's really awesome to see that. Um, we never think about those regions, right? Or those territories uh, and the challenge that they have. And it it reminds me a little bit when I, I, I had to see it again after that email, I have to confess. And, and it reminds me of the projects that I've been always involved, especially with those uh, regions that they are not as as granted as, for example, the North America. Uh, and I'm in this case, I'm, I'm, I'm saying explicitly, in, for example, in Africa, uh, I did a lot of projects in Africa um, and we are granted for all of these, like with electricity or stabilization of electricity. Right. And everyone have a lot of, 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 of stories to talk about those. Um, but I was on a migration, for example, on exchange to do that uh, before, um, not before the cloud, but they were using the cloud as well. And they had 
um, they had satellite uh, internet. That is a fortune. Okay, if mm. I think that I'm paying too much for my Telus uh, fiber, uh, that that one was even slower and was like an insanely amount of price. Um, but they had fiber through Nigeria at that time. Um, and it was like insane, like a fiber to, to, to them, in this case, in the middle of Africa, through Nigeria. But the curious part on that story is I was in the middle of, of, of exchange migration, right? Uh, to just distribute all of the, the DAGs and all of that. Um, to make it a little bit more uh, interesting for them as, uh, as they travel a lot from Canada to, to, to Africa, uh, in this case. And in the middle of, of the project, uh, my site went down. And I say, what's mm -hmm. happened? So I, I, I contact them, say, can you double check what's happened? Uh, yes, we don't have anything here. Uh, the router is all the lights and all of that and troubleshooting. So after a few hours of troubleshooting, we discovered that was a snowstorm, not a snowstorm, a sandstorm, because the snowstorm in Africa, it's almost impossible, oh, right? I was going to ask, <laughs> but I thought, okay, whatever. What but a, a, a sandstorm, and they have these repetitors in the middle of the desert, right? Because of the fiber, to just get mm -hmm. the fiber. So all of those repetitors was based on solar panel, solar energy, right? And because okay, of the yeah. sandstorm, they were covered. So they have to send someone, not by car, okay? Not by Jeep or anything, but by camel to follow oh the gosh. cable, right? And to clean, in this case, the, uh, to clean the, uh, the, the solar panels so the batteries can recharge and they can do it all of that. So again, that sounds like a, an episode of dirty jobs. Oh my uh, God was, it was amazing. So we had to wow. stop for two or three weeks, the project until they, they finish <laughs> with the camera. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you're talking about hundreds of miles of fiber, yes. uh, fiber optic cable. So I'm thinking by camel, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, even by Jeep, you're talking about a week. Yeah. So, so imagine, uh, imagine wow. our, our meetings, uh, so are we betting where the camel is? <laughs> I was, I was about to ask, like, how, how did they check in? Uh, is there like a safety procedure for this or so? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So just when you think your job is difficult. Yes. Yes. Throw a monkey wrench. No, throw a camel throw wrench. Exactly. <laughs> So just to give an idea, and, and that's, that's uh, I have to thank you, but that's that's the party of, of good. But um, what I want to say is thank you for you that you are uh, new at the channel. If you are new, don't forget to subscribe. Um, in this case, if you are one of our customers um, that is happy uh, with the product and you didn't, you didn't ask for money back, <laughs> Um, don't forget to to continuing that that uh, smashing the like button and giving comments, sending emails, send spread some love. Tell us if you don't feel comfortable of leaving a comment. Uh, send us an email. Uh, send us a, a, a 
a tweet, whatever it is that yes. that you are a direct message on Twitter, yeah, a absolutely. DM. Yes, absolutely. But the thing is, don't stop to let us know what you think about the the show. We are here for you, um, and that's the part that I, I want to thank. In this case, uh, you and your listeners to everyone, and and thank you, Andrew, because without you as well, this will be very monotonous. Me only talking. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I feel exactly the yeah. same way, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> but I'd really just be sitting here talking to myself, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> but this week on Azure has been quite a good week, I have to say, uh, especially uh, after a big uh, event like um, in, uh, the Insight, no, the Microsoft... Inspire. Inspire, yes. Yeah, that is the Microsoft event for partners, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of good things coming from that, that event. And usually after a big event like that, usually Microsoft have three big events. One is the Inspire for partners, as I mentioned. The other one is the Ignite for more uh, infrastructure, technical people, um, or in this case, IT guys, uh, IT professionals. Although they have some some content with um, with developers and uh, the big build one that is more mm -hmm. focused on development and all of that. So those are sure. the big three um, uh, conference that Microsoft hosts. Uh, and usually, from our experience, um, is is a slow week after that. And this one wasn't. I have to say. No. Yeah. I was. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I remember after uh, all of the Ignite Online uh, sessions, I think everybody just took a week off. Uh, it was, there was only like a handful of updates after the Ignite one this, um, this past uh, spring. Yeah. And um, this was the opposite of that. Everybody, uh, I think, stayed working very, very hard. And there was some really good ones, was, right? Uh, like we talked about this a little bit because we do choose um, the articles that we're going to uh, kind of chat about, yes. uh, although very quickly we do. So it's uh, in this case we had some uh, networking. Yes, we have some. So the theme about this we can say that is about networking and monitoring, uh, if we may exactly. recall. Um, although we have a very cool, cool, cool updates. What about if we roll? And we start our our show. Well, if I may be so bold, okay. make it so. So welcome back, and let's start with the first uh, update. So the first update is. Shared disks on Azure Disk Storage are now generally available on all premium SSD and standard SSD sizes, which is a marvelous way to start the show this week. Okay. It is. It's really good update, right? It is a good update because we didn't have this possible. Okay. We only have in a few the part of shared disks. And shared disks, in my opinion, are really important, okay? And the reason that they're really important is, first of all, 
is the way that you can build a cluster on Azure. Okay, I have to say uh, that because it's the, 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 the best way, the cheapest way, and the easiest way to do that, okay? Uh, to build a cluster on Azure. Um, the second one is, it's the way that you can literally, either if you are using Windows or Linux, okay? To be able to share information across two or more, in this case, uh, hosts, or in this case, VMs, right? So, but basically, it's built or is being created for that purpose, the clustering part of either Windows or Linux. And be able to Absolutely. choose between premium SSD, standard SSD in all sizes, usually... Or you can choose Ultradisk as well. Or you well. can choose Ultradisk as well, correct? It's good because if you build a cluster, if you are familiar with a cluster, we have sizes right, of disks, that usually they are small. For example, the cluster disk, right? It's highly recommend that you're giving two gigs at least for the for the, the cluster disk. In this case, the minimum on the premium, right, is four gigs, mm -hmm. which is not bad. So we don't pay, That's pretty good. we don't pay for the large disk only to have, uh, in this case, the cluster uh, there for Windows, in this case, whatever it is. Uh, up to 28 disks on SSD uh, or up to, on premium, sorry, or up to 32 terabytes in the standard SSD. So, which is absolutely really cool. Although... Yeah, that's amazing. That's going to that's gonna really help a lot of um, applications that are running in uh, clustered yes. uh, uh, scenarios, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I remember this a long time ago. That, for example, this is the curious part, I have to say. I was doing a deployment of, of SAP on Azure. And at that time, everyone was saying, uh, including in this case, um, SAP. Yeah, use the Linux version uh, for all, all of the, 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 the clustering, especially, um, I meant, I forgot the, 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 the especially the central cluster or the shared cluster, whatever it is, um, that they have that does all the magic inside of, uh, of of SAP. And at that time, it was cost prohibitive, and it was adding another layer. So to be able to have the cluster of Linux, okay, um, be able to run, I had to build the cluster of NFS to be able to have that functionality. So at yeah. that time, we switched to all windows okay and that was approved and it was in this case approved and sealed by sap that there will not be a reduction of functionality or even performance and security on the sap to just build with windows because at that time we were able to use the shared disk uh, and now this is available for linux as well which is awesome i have to say yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you covered that off really well, and I really, I really like that you can scale it up to thirty-two terabytes, um, because I think uh, I'm thinking of one application with a customer I was working with, and they had CAD drawings um, uh, inside an application that they were using, 
And uh, it was cluster-based, but uh, it was really difficult to have um, kind of that shared centralized file. So we had to accomplish it in some different ways. And we've all thought of lots of creative ways to solve that for working around it. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to really be a lot more like um, the on-prem experience that we were able to do using uh, NFS and shared scenarios, yeah, right? Absolutely. So it's going to be really awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving to the next one is one of the coolest, right? Announcing the Azure Firewall Premium General Availability, right? Uh, that That is pretty cool to have that. So with this premium, uh, because we used to have the standard, right? And yeah. now they became the premium. With this premium, it provides truly the next generation firewall capabilities that we didn't add with the standards, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, so we get we get a lot of now the TLS inspection, right? Absolutely, yeah. What else? Oh, let's see here. Intrusion detection and prevention, the IDPS. Yes. And we also get now something that is really uh, relevant for me with a client I'm working with uh, on Defender Technologies, the web categories. Yes, that was and, one of the things. I have to say that with yeah. all of this, the web categories that you add on 365, right? Mm -hmm. By default with the Defender, that was missing for all of this. So now I can have web categories. So if you don't know what is the web categories, it's, for example, you can say that now you can filtering everything that is gambling, for example. You betcha. For the entire tenant, entire both tenants and all Defender protected assets in 365. As well. So all of these web categories is something that the next-gen firewalls you have, and in this case, Azure Firewall didn't have it, right? And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that with this you will have the part of that you already have on the WAF because on the WAF you have that. But yeah. be able to have WAF, it's only for HTTPS, right? And only for web servers. But a really next-gen firewall that you can have it, right? As your boundary for your Azure, or in this case for network, you didn't have that possibility. And, exactly. And now you have it. But... Another one is the URL filtering, because now you can both have plain text and encryption traffic being used in conjunction with the web categories. So pretty cool that we have now this available. And this, yes, you can use this in production if you are thinking, oh, now that those two guys will say, but this is in preview. No, no, this is GA. So it's they GA. are available yeah. now if you want to use it. So use and abuse of this because pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, I, I, I didn't see the prices of this, but I'm sure that, that you will find it on, on Azure uh, calculator. Abs yeah, because when it goes GA, they do update the price calculator. Yeah. And um, I feel like uh, it's probably quite affordable, um, first of all, because you're able Hello. Um, uh, different NVA in with it as well. So uh, you can do some really cool configuration uh, when it comes to um, 
the uh, the URL filtering, the web categories, and all those next-gen firewall features that you really expect to see with Azure Firewall. Yeah. I have to say that that in the middle of your uh, awesome explanation, uh, we had a downtime on our internet connection. Uh, we do seem to be having a few technical challenges with um, the blips of our uh, anonymous uh, communication style here tonight. Yes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, uh, to follow up with this is we press the, be- the, the record button and we don't stop. Uh, only if there is a massive problem, right? That's and, true. And that, that's our, our trademark. It's yeah, press it the is. button once. Yep. And We're never human. stop it. No interruptions. We don't care about that. Even if the head shrinks or not, we keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you invite that back? <laughs> I don't. I just mention it because we we miss our friend uh, that is uh, uh, the Murphy. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yes, Mr. Myself. Murphy does make the odd appearance around here. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. So, so let's keep it rolling, my friend. So we have uh, kind of a cool announcement. Oh, my uh, something God. Something close yes. to both our hearts a little bit, right? Yes. So uh, Azure VMware Solution Now, GA, in Canada East. East. Not only do we love VMware, but we love Canada, and we love Canada East. Yes. Because multi-region is way better. It is. So now we have both regions, Canada Central and Canada East, both regions in Canada have now VMware solution support. So this is really, really big because, um, you know, we may take it for granted, but, you know, for everybody watching and listening, first of all, thank you. But also, uh, it's really important to have um, redundancy within each country. Because if a business has a requirement to keep their data within the United States, uh, they have different regions to choose from. In Canada, we're not quite as lucky. We only have two regions here right now. And uh, that means with the two regions, we now have the ability to create some uh, geographical redundancy, right? So uh, I think a lot more businesses are going to be open to some lift and shift migrations into uh, AVS from their on-prem VMware. And it's gonna really open some doors and help accelerate cloud migration. Um, I'm very excited to see this one in here this yeah, week. Yeah, me too, me too. And, and, and it's really good, the releasing of this, because now, uh, li- like you said, we can uh, rely from one region to another and for all of, uh, of the customers that they are using the AVS, that is the Azure VMware solution, now they can basically replicate from one region to the other and have like that availability and disaster recovery that they, they require and without the issues of data severity and not leaving the country. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really awesome update. It is, it is. Um, and makes makes even more um, makes even better, right? The solution across across the country. Absolutely, yeah. And I was, uh, yeah, I had the privilege to work um, quite deeply over the winter um, this past year, as you know, with um, the VMware solution, and I was really impressed. And I and I do want to say this. So, if anybody on that team is listening, thank you. Um, because I felt that Microsoft's product team, the product manager and the developers working on the product 
were not only responsive, but they were really involved in um, solving challenges, uh, working out all the little kind of quirks that we uh, run into in day-to-day -day production. And they really made that solution happen. Um, so uh, I'm not only grateful, uh, I'm also very thankful yeah. that uh, Microsoft does such a great job of putting, um, well, let's just say it, really awesome teams together. Um, I think that, yeah, it's just worth saying thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, in this case as well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Moving on to the next one. Public preview on Azure App Service Migration Assistant PowerShell-based experience. What a way of our love for PowerShell can be devoted by having the way that you can now use PowerShell scripts to discover assets and migrate your .NET web applications, okay, from IIS to Azure, Azure App Service. Mm -hmm. so Absolutely. I could not be happier. And in this morning, I was talking about that, right? Um, uh, and the day before, when I went to, to see it, this was in preview. So I was able to, to show, in this case, how you have an application that is .NET to App Service because at this at this example I was I was on on a kind of a, a workshop that the customer had um, a IIS website that was the the company website and we were able to uh, use this right as a, as an experience to copy that to just move to a App Service without modifying the local application so pretty cool to have that migration assistant based on powershell because now we can automate and we can do the marvelous things that powershell does right exactly what i would have said uh very beautiful job saying that actually sir Thank you. yeah because with powershell when we take things to command line we're able to schedule them automate, we can extend that solution and wrap other things around with it and include it in other scripts and script packages so that we can deploy this, um, let's say automated, but also dynamically. And because Microsoft does such a great job of publishing these through GitHub, it makes it um, very uh, trusted, right? So we, we know the source, we can review it, we can get approvals within the business. And then we can bring that GitHub uh, repository in-house and uh, take advantage of those uh, those uh, PowerShell automations. It's really it's really good. Yep, and you're absolutely right because uh, when you do the assessment, it keeps uh, it's like a no change, right? Yeah. So you can take it in, you can then play and test in uh, a dev environment with that app service without impacting your live production one. Absolutely, and 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 it's really cool that you can do that. And um, in this case, the tool uh, can can run on a local server, and it's a a, a, a UX based. So it's doing the assessment migration a single site at a time. So it's not like if you have multiple sites on your IIS, you are migrating everything. No. You can migrate a single site at each time 
and I have to say that from what we were able to see it, you can migrate to either the same app service or buy other app service. So imagine you have like 10 sites on that IIS on that server, right? And now you can have a different app service. You can have the, the same app service plan, but you can move this to another app service and now segregating those and have that because um, you can have the potential of, uh, it's like the same thing that you have on the IIS that you create some application um, uh, application settings, right? Mm -hmm. uh, application pools that if you want to reset that application pool, does not affect the other application pool as well? That's right. You have the memory isolation and everything. Yeah, exactly. And on this, it's pretty cool to have that. Although I have to say that this is in preview. So if you want to use this in, in production, it's not recommended. Okay. Uh, although you can try it uh, uh, with that, but I, I, I should not recommend it first. First test it uh, to see if it, everything comes okay. Test your entire website. The whole see thing. The whole thing, if it becomes okay. Although it's a, a migration assistant, but it's still in preview. So it is, remember yep. that. So, yes, move it to like a dev test. Uh, play with it. Um, don't just move it live and assume it's going to work, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the part that I just want to, to make sure that that you that are listening uh, uh, understands that part. The next update is the general availability built-in Azure policy support for network watcher traffic analysis. And I have to say that that it felt like last week we talked about this, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about something quite similar uh if not a preview then uh something related to network watcher um so this is the the azure native solution right that uh, gives us the insights about those uh, azure virtual network flows that have originated uh or targeted uh, our applications right so this gives yeah. us those deep insights um so this is like app insights for networks right Yep. And the Absolutely. one thing I remember uh, about these uh, as well, about uh, network flows, is that uh, not only do you get the traffic analytics dashboard, um, but this one does depend on the NSG flow logs, the network security groups. And this is a, a really great way to have this integrated. Um, I remember, it feels like it wasn't that long ago no. that we talked about NSGs <laughs> just getting the flow logs. And uh, it was probably like six months or something, but <laughs> yeah. I'm just remembering it funny as I do. But um, it's really good because it, this helps to give us a really uh, full view of the traffic, um, not only how it comes through the NSG, but how it's interacting uh, with the application, right? So if it's going through a load balancer, app gateway to the application, we, we can see how the traffic's flowing. And then that helps us understand, like if we're seeing dropped packets, uh, maybe we need to add some scaling. Uh, maybe we need to go up a skew uh, from standard to premium or whatever the whatever the flavor is. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of really cool things. So 
some of the new policies that came with this. Um, I want to say I like the one that is the deploy if not exists. This is one of my favorite types, right? Yes. And uh, it's like the logic check, right? Like in case you didn't create this, let me take care of this for you. Exactly. So it just enables the traffic analysis on the NSG in an Azure region of a subscription or resource group. So yeah. it, it will handle. So if we have the resource group and we have an NSG for all of the resources within that group, uh, when we enable the, uh, the network watcher traffic analytics through Azure policy, now the policy can also turn on um, network flow for the NSG. Yes, and network flow, it's not a very, it's a very recent feature because it's it's the beginning of the year that they launched this. So now be able to use that functionality, right, mm -hmm. um, of through Azure policy to support those uh, uh, to, to that and to add one more thing to the governance part of it, it's massive. Yeah, and it, it feels like this happened quickly um, to me because I, I feel like it normally is a little bit longer to kind of filter into Azure policy. Yeah, true, I have to say. That's why we were thinking about But we I remember um, talking about this not long time ago, like you mentioned. Um, but yes, NSGs, uh, flow logs, it's, it's, it's massive because it's the way that you can that you can, in this case, control and see what's going on. And you can have, and they are basically going to a storage account. And especially our good friend of Azure Sentinel, it's going to be one of those that loves those type of logs. So be able to create a built-in policy to support these network watcher traffic analysis or analysts. Um, it's, it's massively to even increase even more. Um, this will be very helpful if you have still have some residual of those uh, um, uh, Starwind uh, mm -hmm. uh, problems yep. uh, on your network because now with all of that awesome workbook that they created uh, associated with this, you can live, even go down on that Starwind uh uh, vulnerability that we had last year, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Well, it, it's continued to be uh, quite a, a big issue, right? Let's let's talk about that for just a second, because I think uh, it would it really would help uh, be helpful for uh, our viewers and our listeners to know when you're using Azure Sentinel, Microsoft security products. Let's say um, when Microsoft security teams release a fix, they are releasing a fix for everybody and they do it for free. Um, you know, they don't charge you extra money. You don't need an extra license to add it or stuff like that. Yeah. It's part of the solution, part of the, like the Microsoft security response center team, I think is what it's called, I think. And they release those solutions usually through tech community. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the case of the Azure Sentinel, the workbooks, the analytics rules, the playbooks, the logic apps, all those things in Sentinel, they release those packages. And of course, it's in preview in Sentinel, but they have solutions 
for Sentinel, which can uh, be published through GitHub and put all of those things into Sentinel for you inside your tenant, or at least your Sentinel instance is what I should say. And uh, in the case of uh, that compromise uh, for that other product, <laughs> we, uh, Microsoft did release a very comprehensive uh, package and they've updated it. So if you put in the original package, but you haven't gone back since, it has been updated. There are additions to it. So uh, go and uh, search on uh, Tech Community and uh, you will find really good things there. So I just, I just wanted to kind of speak to that a little bit because I think not everybody realizes that uh, Microsoft security teams do release very helpful uh, tools um, to uh, bring in the workbooks and find those problems in our environments to help us get rid of those threats. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a very good point to bring to, to the show and to, and to everyone that, that is listening uh, and seeing us. Uh, absolutely. Moving to the next one, general availability of public IP information and inter-zone traffic among many new insights in traffic analytics. So it's related to, in this case, to the previous one, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but with traffic analytics, it's, it's like you mentioned, is the Azure native solution that allows you to have insights. It feels like the app insight that we have, right? But in this case, for traffic that yeah. allows us to do that, that is based on the NSG. So it's, I recommend that you're looking at the policy, implementing the policy, right? to make sure that you have those traffic analysis or those NSG flow logs enabled. So now you can look at um, your traffic analysis, like the IP information, what is the malicious IP, the VMSS tagging that is really important, for example, mm -hmm. for, for Kubernetes. It's what being used on that. And the interavailability zone traffic. So pretty cool to have all of this that is being recently added to the traffic analysis dashboard. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, there's nothing I can add to that. You covered it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this one, I was I was trying to demonstrate this this morning and 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 it's pretty cool to see it all of that on now on traffic analysis because sometimes we were like, oh, how is my traffic? How, what is being trafficking? Uh, do I get any type of lateral movement or something yeah. like that between a subnet inside of the same VNet? Uh, because what we were trying to do is to create some kind of way that we have the zero trust model, right? Mm -hmm. Associated with that, uh, with, with to leveraging if, if the architecture and the deployment was sufficient right uh, for the zero trust model or if we have any type of lateral movement and it's pretty cool because with this traffic analysis right and because it's an insight that you have you can create some alerts you can generate Absolutely. alerts so if you see any malicious ip information you can generate an alert and by generating alerts now becomes the best part you can create a playbook to totally isolate that. So 
you can almost going on the zero type of um how i can call this like a zero not a zero seconds but a zero type of um compromise well, pretty darn close yes. right so yeah you can isolate it to a single subnet within a vnet so when you see that lateral movement you have an alert that triggers the playbook or a function or whatever, whatever you would like uh let's say azure powershell script right yeah. so uh just saying so in our script we then uh we're going to put some programmatic response and let's say we take that nsg for that subnet and we just lock it down completely uh, no more traffic in or out we send alerts to everybody yeah. on the networking team and security team and uh, we put up the little red flag and say uh, yep so you got a problem in here we've detected it if it's a false alert yeah really sorry about that but better safe than sorry when we're talking about zero trust model yeah, right exactly so uh, in this case we're able to like you said lock it down to that signal uh, single subnet and a limited compromise yeah. i think you can uh, even go you can, you, you can even go tough. further because you can if you have that you can apply for example a lockdown uh, 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 nsg a setting of the yeah. subnet but on the vm level because now yes. you are not compromising the the remaining of that subnet but you can apply it's not ideally oh my gosh yeah, and the one thing I was just thinking of is, uh, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, actually, I want to say, is when we're running our triggers from our automation, yeah. what we should do is enable the packet capture dynamically because there's a problem. So now we can capture all of the packets that were uh, that are in question and anything coming out of like the VM even, right? So we can... We tag them, we capture them, and now they're saved. So we can uh, identify the offending packets. Uh, <laughs> like we can get quite granular on oh, this. Yeah. Actually, we I'm really liking this. The, the more we talk about to get crazy ideas, like running the antivirus automatically, uh, uh, just apply different uh, route or, or route in this case uh, tables to just isolate that and go only to the firewall, uh, to a specific firewall, whatever it is, uh, the world is is the limit, or there is no exactly. limit in this case. Well, I was going to say the world is your oyster, but then I was thinking, well, it's not, you know, saltwater servers yeah. usually don't get along, no, right? They but... don't. They don't. <laughs> yeah, the automation uh, potential is uh, really big. It is. And uh, that's actually quite a, a really good uh, update. Yeah, it is. It is a, a very good update. But continuing on this part, that's why I'm saying that most of the team for this week is is monitoring in this case. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Let's move to the next one. That is the general availability of the Azure Monitor Agent and Data Collection Rule now support direct proxy and log analytics gateway, which is pretty damn cool. And the reason that I'm saying this is because this Azure monitoring agent and data collection rules that we already mentioned on, on this show, right? That the data collection rules is the way that you can have on the server, just to recap a little bit, the way that you can have on the server that you can saying 
on the server side, not on the destination side, so on the source, what you are sending, right? So you are kind of uh, restricting and the source, not restriction, but you are basically uh, having a filter on the source in sending off the destination, right? Um, mm -hmm. Associated with the new uh, Azure uh, management agent um, that now you can configure, in this case, some extensions parameters, right? And you can configure some proxy. So, because sometimes to have these, you need to have all of these uh, Azure Monitor agents to be able to connect inside to the public service, in this case, that is the log analytics, right? And sometimes mm -hmm. you don't want to expose that, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Some networks have security requirements that require them to be isolated, uh, no external access. They can only be internal. So in this case, now we can use a proxy. And I think the the other use case that I think of is when uh, we have to have, um, even if it's not isolated, if we have a requirement to have our log analytics isolated so that uh, there has to be a specific ingress for that so that we have uh, different controls over it. Yeah. Um, I've seen uh, both sides of that one. So I think that that's, that, that's a significant improvement. Um, it's really great uh, that it's coming out now. And of course, the next one uh, on, on that little bit of a list here is that we now have support for both anonymous and basic authentication yes. proxies. And uh, that's a bit of what I was speaking to is if we have a kind of a far end proxy requirement that maybe requires um, just a basic uh, authentication with a user uh, username and password. Um, when we think of basic or anonymous where it's just anonymous, there is no username or password. And then uh, that's, uh, that's basic versus modern authentication, right? Yeah. So I've definitely been talking to a lot of my customers about that lately is, Modern authentication, good basic authentication has some challenges and we should restrict that whenever possible. Absolutely. But it's, it's still better than, than anonymous authentication, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would that, say so. I feel like I would it. say so. I prefer yes, basic see, to do anonymous. And this is why SAS keys become critical <laughs> to storage accounts, right? Because exactly. then we can give them read uh, only or write only in this case where we would just only be allowed to write, but we couldn't ever query the storage account. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, it's really important to see all of these, all of these uh, improvements uh, in this case for, for now the log analytics and all of that. But the, the part that I like about this, okay, is, uh, and now you, you go, I know that you, what you're going to say is, it's they change it's the new azure monitor agent the ama and it's mm -hmm. no no longer the uh microsoft operations manager agent um i know which is they a huge improvement it took years but whatever it is they finally changed the name of the agent so <laughs> For me, now, it's my, like... my, have you have you installed any this week? No, um, I, I haven't. I haven't done any agent installs this week. I think I have one next week. So we have um, a challenge so for our listeners. Okay, that is, if you install this, do whatever. Leave in the comment, shoot in an email, uh, uh, send a tweet, whatever it is. But let us know if they really change the service, 
uh, on the server side of it or not to be able to 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 see it if they did improve that <laughs> just little detail nothing else i have to say as an architect <laughs> there's nothing quite like trying to explain to a meeting full of system engineers yeah. no no the other oms agent exactly. service that's the <laughs> Yes, but I thought it was Azure Monitor. Yeah, it, it is. is okay. So go make a coffee. We'll tell the story, exactly. but it's going to take ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a break. In this case, a useful break, just to tell the story about the 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 mom. Uh, in this case, or uh, of the mom agent. But yeah, it's it's funny. It's always it's always like that, right? And that's the part that. <laughs> It is, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's actually a really good icebreaker, I think, <laughs> in some cases, <laughs> because it's like, so you told us not to use OMS anymore. Yes, that's, that's correct. correct. It's not really a thing anymore. No. But you want us to install the OMS agent? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? At the end of the day, we yeah. like we like to be retro. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, retro! I like it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, I think you have too one, fast. You have you have one amazing final update for us. I think, yes, right? Yes, I have. I have to say that that we have, because it's it's going to be it's, it's starting to be down, and we have to finish this because otherwise, it's going to be um, awesome. Uh, the final one, but the final uh, yes, the least but not the last but not the least is the general availability of the new US new West US 3 region added to Azure AD Insights. So again, well welcome Azure AD Insights to the new US uh West US 3 that is in Arizona, okay? Uh, now they can have all the AD Insights with the open source frameworks like Hadoop my Apache that I, I do like a lot mm -hmm. and the Apache Kafka that I'm really yeah. a fan of. I, I was able to work with Apache Kafka and what a stream uh, in this case database that you can do a lot of, type of, of, of stuff with that. Really cool about it. And it's now available on, on, on Arizona region, the West US 3. So mm -hmm. again, it, this is one of the newest regions in Azure, in North America. And again, they are starting to deploy all of the big guns into those services to become, That's right. to become available, right? So it's pretty and cool. I find it, yeah, I, I find it fascinating because they really do roll out all these services pretty rapidly, yeah. right? Absolutely. And uh, like when you think about all the different updates they have to do and testing and validations. And, it, and uh, it's and, not only that, it's like, when you enable this, right, you don't enable this on a small scale. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like we're talking about multiple data centers, not just even a single data center. But I'm absolutely sure that to be able to to enable these services, they have to deploy to a few thousands of those services to be able to have that possibility of making this service available in that region because like like you said this region already have three zones right to review with yeah. three zones right and to be able to do that this is a past solution okay 
So the path solution will be across the three zones. It will be across to all of that because you cannot choose. This is not a VM that you can choose. Oh, I want to deploy this VM on the zone one, on the zone two, or on the zone three. This is a path service that you choose the region and that's, that's it, correct. right? You don't know yeah. if they are on the region one, two, or three, or if they are across the three regions or whatever that's it right. is. It's a bit transparent. It just turns on and it, it becomes available to you as it provisions. It completely. But it, I think I think something that's further amazing for me, I just want to think about the physical site, yeah. right? So Arizona, 100% renewable and sustainable zero carbon region, yes. right? Yeah. US West 3. Yeah. In Arizona, like what is essentially a desert um, yeah. kind of a region, right? It's very hot all year round. Yeah. But uh, I get there's lots of sun, but the cooling required uh, and, must be quite a challenge, right? But that's interesting because I read another day an article saying that it, the problem of the heat, uh, the heat is not a problem, okay, too much right it's the humidity with the heat that is the problem because if you are on the on the dry zone with the heat yes uh that can be a problem if you're going to too massively but if you are kind of stable on the heat part of it you can have way bigger temperatures especially on cpu and all of those but if mm -hmm. there is dry it's okay uh, it's better to have like, I'm giving an example um, that they use. It's like the performance of the CPU, for example, uh, 65 degrees, uh, in this case, uh, Celsius, right? Or 70 degrees Celsius, uh, it's directly related to the humidity, right? Because mm. if you have that heat with the, the condense, it becomes condensation because the air it's way colder, right? Becomes condensated, and you are you have to lower down completely in this case the temperature because of the condensation, right? And because of all of that, it was very interesting uh, to demystify in this case the part of because we think oh the worst case scenario is 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 to have uh, um, servers, right? on on the desert and all of that because of the heat and that yes true we are uh, i'm not saying that but the problem is in this case it's way better than everyone very cold places right but they are really humid so it's yeah it's like both right because otherwise yeah, you do need the dry because as as it's hot and uh if there's a high humidity yeah and then it cools down that uh, that water vapor condenses and becomes moisture and uh, electronic equipment, not such a big fan of the moisture. Right. Um, and that's why quite often, I think many of us with this podcast have probably spent lots of time in data centers over the years. But, and but the you one remember thing... seeing those servers submerge on water. You saw that on on Ignite. Yeah. Yep. Like for cooling purpose. So, and then it's like, you guys must be kidding me. I've been 20 something years on this, on this, uh, on this career. 
And he always told me that the worst thing that happens on any electronic component is water. And now you are, you are submerging the freaking servant on water. So, but it's not water, though. It's really oil, right? Yeah, but it's liquid, right? Yeah. Yep. And I've, I, I know the technology has really changed. Absolutely. And, you know, when you and I used to stand physically in a data center, you know, back at times where that was allowed to happen, non-Azure days, the, the temperature and the humidity was so controlled. I remember I used to travel in my car with um, a f two fleece vests always in the back in case I had to spend any, like a couple hours in the data center because it's just so chilly. But you also would keep like two or three bottles of water because as soon as you get out, you're so dry. And uh, it's so interesting to me because now they can submerge, like you say, they submerge the systems in oil and liquids. Yeah. And now they have... Liquid, liquid cooling, water cooling has been around for a while for uh, CPUs and GPUs. Yeah, but, but now they're but they're changing the, the scale of how it works because they they increase the efficiency, right? Yeah, I have water cooling PCs as as you know, my my PC is, is water cool, um, and and now that I'm I'm building a new one for for example for my daughter, it's going to be water cool as well, but it's different because the water doesn't touch the the components, right? Exactly. It's on a closed yeah. circuit. That's totally different. And we have radiators and all of that. What we saw in this case, very interesting. I I'm trying to remember what was the vendor um, that we saw on Ignite. Well, they had that big vat yes. of uh, like liquid. Like an aquarium. They just like, they just like dropped the servers in. The servers and it in. still works. And it still works. It's crazy. Yes, that's the part that I was like, whoa. Uh, those are the those are the things that I miss from from Ignite. I know the wow factor. The wow right? factor, yeah. In case nobody's picked up on it, yeah. Marcos and I freaking love those live events. Yes. We just love them, yes, yes, uh, really and cool. there's no substitute. I love the the handshakes, the hugs, the experiences with different vendors learning yes. new things, like liquid submerged servers. Yes. Crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Ignite in case that didn't come across. Yeah, <laughs> make it make it possible. Make it possible. So we arrive at the end of our podcast on our show this week. So uh, if you are new to the channel and if you already been at this time, don't forget to subscribe um, to our channel. Just just support us. Give you some love. We do appreciate uh, that. Uh, don't forget to smash the like button. Um, I'm sure that Andrews love to see that 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 um, like button being smashed. Uh, Absolutely. Just, just bring the hammer. Bring down. the hammer down. Exactly. Bring the hammer. No down. warranty on mice, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We offer free money back guarantee exactly. on all this, lights, this but we don't pay for the mice. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I could not say better. <laughs> Uh, we offer money-back guarantee on ears, if you want. All right? We are the only only uh, brand that offers um, what, I, what, I would say, what I would say, like, lifetime money-back guarantee. Oh, I like it. Our satisfaction is your guarantee, exactly. and that's guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's, it's okay. 
Let's end this. Don't forget again, once again, to subscribe, okay? And Absolutely. <laughs> see you next week. And bye for now. <laughs>